91.3 KBCS, Music and Ideas, listener-supported radio from Bellevue College. As the Black Lives Matter movement sweeps the country, social media and conversations are abuzz talking about race today by people of all groups. Many white allies are stepping forward with an interest to help. Next, KBCS reporter Kevin Henry brings us this conversation about how to be a good white ally. Henry interviewed Aaron Lee, a black musician, athlete, and activist. Now tell us, Aaron, uh, about why do we need white allies and what can white allies do to be an efficient and productive white ally? (laughs) Well, let me deal with the first question. And why do we need white allies? It's simply because black people can't fix a white problem. The issues around race in America are really one-sided. Not that there isn't racism in some other places, but this is a country that was built on stealing land, stealing people, and forcing them to work for nothing. And just sort of the, 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 the echoes of that still remain in the attitudes of a lot of white people. But this is a problem that they're gonna have to fix. We can help, we can assist, we can inform, but they're the only people who are gonna be at the dinner table, at Thanksgiving, and at the cookout when this stuff bubbles up. And they need to be equipped to deal with it. They also need to be strong enough to deal with it and have enough knowledge around what to say when they're in a moment like that. So if somebody says to you, you know, I've seen all this stuff that happened with George Floyd, I'm I'm educating myself about, um, you know, history and what's gone on before George Floyd, but I'm still like afraid of not getting it fast enough, or I'm afraid of saying the wrong thing, Um, And there's just some fear involved, you know, with kind of stepping out of that comfort zone. What kind of advice would you give to a a white ally in that predicament? First, when this happens, I say, well, you know, that's the hard thing about hard things. This is tough. This is brutal. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're finally at a point that you want to do something about this but let's spend some time talking about what that really means because it's just this, you're, you're jumping into a fight. You're jumping into a battle that's 400 years old. So I want to dispense with any notion that this is going to be easy and you're going to have to spend some time building up your tolerance for what's happening for even some stuff that's going to come at you because you just represent a group of people who have been oppressing us for a long time. So there's some of that income and you just gotta kind of take, take on, but you really have to look in the mirror and say, listen, if I'm in this, it can't be a luxury. It can't be temporary. I gotta take the good with the things that are hard. And another analogy, you know, I like to work in the world of analogies, is if you're a boxer and you go 12, 13 rounds at the end, you may have won, but you've got 
broken ribs, bloody eyes. You might be missing a few teeth. <laughs> you won. But this is, you know, this is not a, a, a walk in the, in the park. Um, so that's kind of where I start. Because there's a lot of intention and there's a lot of energy around this. That's great. But if you're going to run out of stamina in the first mile of the marathon, maybe you ought to do some training beforehand. So that's one of the things I talk about. Well, who are you talking to? What are you listening to? What are you reading? Let's get you prepared for this journey you're going to be on. I think the way that I look at this work where I don't see other companies and other coaches who work in this, a person shows up and they say, I want to do this. Great. Then they start jumping into the how. Well, I'm still working on the will. If there's a will, there's a way. So let's spend some time, you know, measuring what that will is, exploring what that will is. And then we can kind of, once we're calibrated, then we can begin to think about things that you can do. You know, if, if, if we were flying in a plane, I gave you a parachute, I just wouldn't throw you off the plane. There's training that's involved in that, you know? That's so, yeah, I was going to say, that's such a great point because it's a process. And, and what I tell people when they ask me the same question is, I say, look, it took 400 years for it to get this way. Uh, and these are some of the people who say, well, we had, you know, Obama for president for eight years and we've got people <laughs> like Oprah Winfrey and, you know, and look how far we've come. And I'm not saying that we haven't made progress, of course, but at the same time, it's like therapy. You know, if you're going to offset a way of thinking, a way of living, a way of perceiving the world, you're not going to do it in one 50 minute session with the therapist. You know, that's why people go for months, years, sometimes for life to unravel and figure themselves out. And because I always tell people, look inward before you even look outward, figure out who you are and what your biases are, what's going on with you so that you just, you know, you're more confident, you're more comfortable because you, under, you understand yourself a lot better before you start trying to be Mr. Advocate. So that is so important. Probably six years ago, I had to really stop and meditate around and say, hold on, we got we to slow our roll here. Again, we're asking people to, 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 to run this sprint and they haven't stretched, so they're going to pull muscles and you know, they're not going to even make it around the track. So at the same time, we know that when they leave our conversation, Sometimes they're right in it. They're right back in it. They're under attack or, you know, they're jumping in to help somebody. So I want to give them some tools. There's a part of this that is that when somebody's in that space, they also have to recognize, well, you're going to be building this plane while you're flying it. That, that same scenario. You know, try not to go too deep. And I also want to let them know that let me be a resource to you. Mm -hmm. um, have some real conversations about being a sponge when you're in this moment. Mm -hmm. You got a lot of you got a lot to learn. So it's time to take in information without judgment, without making a case against it, without being a devil's advocate. 
you just have a lot of learning to do that's just going to, again, help you get calibrated. So kind of the two concepts that, that I, I, I center a lot of this work around is being hydrated and being calibrated. I mean, they're two different concepts, but I, I can't remember when, when, when I began to meditate on, on what it means to be calibrated. Because mm. you might be ready. Mm-hmm. You might be strong and knowledgeable. Still doesn't mean that the gears are going to work well together, right? And then again, being, being hydrated. And then, yeah, I mean, how much endurance that you have. These frameworks reveal themselves as we do the work. But that relay race is a really important metaphor, not only for allies, but for frustrated Black folks who are, are impatient with the allies. Mm-hmm. Right? And you and I have had this conversation. I've been in conversation with Black folks like, yeah, well, that person should know. We took them so, took them, took them long enough, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, okay, well, you're wasting energy. They're ready now. So how they got here at this point in time is not really important. They're here. So let's, let's help them at the time that they need to be helped and that they want to help and they want to be involved in this, but also budget for the fact that they may not be able to run the entire race yet, but the leg that they do run is still important. It's still vital. You know, hearts are moved. You know, people be, are exploring possibilities. And that this is, you know, all, the, the big steps and the small steps are all really important. Mm-hmm. They're really important. And you and I both have to continue to, because people are getting in this moment, they want, 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 want. They want all this evolution at once. It's still going to happen incrementally, though. Right. It is what it is. Well, one last thing I just wanted to touch on is to also remind the, the, white, the new white allies that they will be attacked by other white people. Yes. Because I've seen this happen. In fact, I was, because uh, I'm on social media a lot, and I commented to a friend of mine, I said, I have never in my life seen so many white people arguing with other white people about racism. Because you get these woke people on one side, and then you get the people that aren't woke or don't want to be woke, just going at it. And so those those man, tools I, that I you run mentioned. to grab my popcorn, man. Yeah, exactly. Oh. I've even put some memes out there where you have different people eating popcorn, watching, you know, and it's like I'm going. Well, I'm glad they're fighting because I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, no, but sometimes I watch, and then there's a certain point in time when the allies get beat down mm-hmm. too bad. I will jump in. Yeah. And yeah. then I'll jump in and, and, and finish this. You've gone long enough. It's been yeah. nice watching you jump, you, you fight in the ring. You it's like tag team now. wrestling, you know, when they, That's they right. tap That's out right. and then the other guy comes That's in. Because right. I'm strong. I've been in this for a long time. I'm happy that you ran this long. And sometimes watching that also lets me know how, how passionate and committed, you know, that person really is. Yeah. Like I'm man. excited to see the allies jump in, even if they're off base. Because mm-hmm. at least I know they really care and mm-hmm. they're actually willing to be on the field taking hits. Right. And then I'll jump in, mm-hmm. you know, take, take over from there. And then I'll sidebar, you know, with yeah. the ally 
I'll give them, I'll give them encouragement around things that they, that, 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 that they've done well. Mm-hmm. And maybe some areas that, you know, they didn't understand or they're, they're repeating common wisdom or common ignorance. For example, well, black on black crime is a problem. Yeah, as much of a problem as white on white crime, Hispanic on Hispanic crime, Asian on Asian crime, because the numbers are all about the same. Um, Because that happens where people live and people who are hanging out with each other. This, you know, uh, violence happens. Uh, uh, Another white friend of mine who is, I don't know whether he's coming or going. I'm still trying to figure out if he's an ally or not, Um, although he claims to be, right? Then he's like, well, you know, if you look at the statistics, yeah, black people make up 12% of the population, but they make up 40% of the prison population and convictions and this and that. So then I had to, of course, (laughs) of course, explain to him that if you and I go out and kill somebody now, I am four or five times, maybe even more, likely to get convicted and go to the electric chair than you are by a lot. He's like, wow, I didn't know that. I sent him two or three links. He dove into those. It blew him away. He still wasn't sure. And I had to say to him, this is not news. And if you were a real ally, this shouldn't be news. You should know this. This is not information at this point in time. This is well-known knowledge from anybody who's really deeply into this work and has done five minutes of studying. And so again, with a lot of allies, they think, oh, I've grown up in this, I know this, now I'm finally on the team. And they still just don't have the information. And I had another ally that I helped in that particular scenario who in good faith was like, well, you know, black on black crime is an issue, but I'm not talking about that now. So I, that wasn't, and and they were right. So I didn't attack them on that. And I didn't jump in and be like, you know, you know, she's talking about blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. They bookmarked it, I bookmarked it. And then I got on with them and said, listen, all of these five things that you're on, perfect. You're, you're, you're right on message with that. Now let us talk about this other piece. And then I sent them information and they were like, got it, good. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to move forward. Mm-hmm. Now that's a well, student that's ready, right? Because here's the other thing, right? You do this, Kevin. You give people information, information, and they come back. And it's like you didn't read the information. You sat around there and argued with the data. Well, I agree with that. And I was just thinking as you were talking about data, data, data. And, and I think there, of course, there's a role for data and data is important. However, um, when George Floyd was having his, uh, being killed for eight and a half minutes, if somebody were to walk up and say, well, George, you know, don't be so upset about this because did you know... <laughs> and started spouting out data. 
The fact is, is that racism does exist. I mean, I will argue only so much about the data because the data can be spun and interpreted in different ways. Right. But it's like a disease. You know, if you have a disease and you keep getting tumors and symptoms of a problem, you investigate the problem. You, you right. don't just say, well, you know, it's, it's probably not a big deal because, and you start spouting out, only one in eight people actually get cancer. Well, the one person that got cancer Really it's important. important. Yeah. It's, really, it's life or death for them. Yeah, if, if it's you point. that's got the cancer, then it's who cares about the data? No, that's a point well taken. And, and I probably should qualify when I do that, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's a moment, right? So if we're in triage mode, we go ahead and we go in and we deal with what's happening. It, but then there's a moment so people can understand you know, a little bit more of the history. Because as a, as, a, as, a, as a social innovator, right, in that, that space that I'm in, we're always looking at the conditions that, that, that made what's happening possible, mm-hmm. right? So what are the conditions that, uh, that you've been in that led you, you know, to believe that nonsense when it hit you? So there's a moment for that, right? I, I am clear and it is evidenced in how our country's dealing with COVID and race that this country is not a data-driven com- country. Data for, 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 for Americans is, is optional. Mm. You know, we're dealing in the world where people's opinion now and always has been is really their data uh, although <laughs> we were living right. under the mm. illusion that the data mattered mm. so there's also a part of what I do is is I have to kind of get my footing around whether we both believe the earth is round because if you believe the earth is flat and I know the earth is round there's no common ground there right (laughs) (laughs) where can we go from there's some people I'm just like oh that's where you're I'm like you know someone may get to you at some point in time but that's not a lift that I'm willing to do. If we can't agree on the data, how can we have a productive conversation? Mm-hmm. And if I give you information and you constantly ignore it, then also what you're saying to me is you're not, you don't want to have a conversation. Because I challenged some of my friends and some of my allies, and I've done this for ever since Rodney King, I would say, I told you this is what our life was like and you didn't believe me. I told you and you would say, oh, you're pulling the race card, that's an outlier. (laughs) So what you're telling me now is that you had to see a videotape and my word wasn't enough. My lived experience wasn't enough because I didn't have videotape of it. And I would let them know that's painful, but I'll deal with it. 
because mm. I have to deal with it. But I don't understand why what I had to tell you wasn't enough. Well, and move on. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it reminds me of an analogy that I've used sometimes, and I don't know if it's a really good one, but sometimes I run into the person that every he has, he or she has to see like video, like if 15 people said that, you know, Mr. Smith was whatever, uh, a bank robber, or took money from his employer, um, they would say, well, how can you prove it? You know, now, if they already had a criminal record, that doesn't matter anymore. Um, you need visual or audio evidence. Okay. Now, I compare that to when you're hiring somebody for a job and you ask for references. So if I asked, if you apply for a job, okay, and I say, well, Aaron, give me some references. I call five of your references and they all say, this guy sucks. You know, he's, he's this, he's that. You know, I said, well, I need video of of him not performing on his job. I mean, we base our whole society a lot on past behavior uh, coupled with a lot of references. I mean, we do this in trials, you know, eyewit eyewitnesses, you know, well, do you have tape? Well, no, but I have nine eyewitnesses, just That's like true. with what, you know, you know what I'm talking about. So I, I think if people, some people do not want to have the conversation and they, and they do not want to believe what you're saying. So instead of just saying that, they would rather come up and gaslight you and say, well, you just don't have, haven't shown me enough proof, even though 25 people might say that, you know, Aaron, you shouldn't hire him. <laughs> right, right. But if we're in that scenario, I'll say to you, Kevin, so you don't think I'm an expert at my own experience, mm -hmm. at the life I've lived? Mm -hmm. So that's what you're telling me? Mm -hmm. Because... Because if you come to me and tell me, this is not a job application. This is your life. This is how you live. This is how That's you true. get up. This is how you breathe. You are an expert on being you. You're an expert on what your experience is. My first roommate in college before I went to Hampton was UMass Amherst. And he was a Native American. Straight up. Down with the tribe, the whole thing. And I loved it. I never challenged him on what it was like to be a Native American. I sat there like a sponge and let him inform me on what his life was like and what his family's life was like, what his tribe's life was like, what their ancestors' life was like. I didn't challenge him, I didn't question. Because he's telling me his experience. And I owed him the, the common courtesy of accepting what he had to tell me about his life. Now, if I spent time with him and it started to fall apart like vanilla ice, then all right. But one of my favorite teachers in high school, I will never forget the first day of his class because he said, you know what? In my class, everybody starts with an A. You work yourself backwards from there. <laughs> and I kind of took that on as a metaphor when I'm dealing with people, you know, and then again, if the truth starts to unravel, then I've got to recalibrate. For some odd reason in this country, and especially as it, as it relates to white privilege, they feel like they have a right to give you a review on your story. 
they're gonna write a review on your story. Three stars. Kevin's story is three stars. Well, I wasn't there, I didn't see it. I can see the pain in his eyes. I can see the experience in his story. Especially when you put 10 black people in the room and they can all tell you the same story and they don't know each other. Mm. And I, again, I challenged a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, you had to see it? Okay, but there's news. There are history books on top of what you hear from me. What is it that you don't understand? And more importantly, what would it take? You need to get on black skin and get pistol whipped yourself? Mm. What, what do you need? You won't listen to me, you won't watch the news, you won't read anything, but you say you wanna help, but not enough to do any due diligence. And then you come here questioning what I have to say about my experience. I am the expert on what it's like to be black and under attack 24 seven. Mm. That's how we live. Mm-hmm. And I'm not interested in your review about <laughs> my life in my shoes. You know, and I've gotten more militant about that mm. because it's important. Sometimes you have to, you, <laughs> you know, sometimes you have to just, you know, kind of calibrate the situation. Right. When I ask you how it feels to be white in America, I don't sit back there and say, ooh, let me now <laughs> three star review on that. Well, hopefully over time, sometimes people get it. It takes a while, you know, but you, you might have planted a seed. Sometimes I walk away and say, well, I think I planted a seed because I have had people who I didn't think got it. And six months later, they're laying on the ground at a George Floyd pro- protest. <laughs> you know, so it is it is possible. So I don't totally give up. But I but I do think sometimes that. You have to pick your battles. That was Kevin Henry speaking with Black musician, athlete, and activist Aaron Lee about how to be a good white ally. This story is possible thanks to listeners like you. For more KBCS stories and to support our work with a donation, you can visit kbcs.fm.